But for now, I don't know that it's worth it for me to turn that into like a higher end consulting service because it does take a lot of time if I were to go in and like, here's the all the selections, here's how we do that. So it's really just typically right now gets tacked on to like what I growing the business because if we can help them grow the business, then we can show them like you can be giving back right now because I think that's a big barrier to entry for a lot of people. Welcome to the Fail On Podcast, where we explore the hardships and obstacles today's industry leaders face on their journey to the top of their fields through careful insight and thoughtful conversation. By embracing failure, we'll show you how to build momentum without being consumed by the result. Now, please welcome your host, Rob Nunnery. Hello there and welcome to the show that believes leveraging failure is not only the fastest way to learn, but is also the fastest way to grow your business and live a life of absolute freedom. In a world that only likes to share successes, we dissect the struggle by talking to honest and vulnerable entrepreneurs, and this is a platform for their stories. And today's story is of Adrian Dorison. Adrian is a business consultant podcast host and the founder of Good Businesses Do Good. She teaches high achieving entrepreneurs to create the habit of success so that they can achieve their goals and find their personal freedom and fulfillment. We will be discussing how Adrian helps businesses define their most important social causes and designs a business plan to grow, profit and support these causes at the same time very impactful business that she runs. She shares how she paid off $48,000 of debt in just six months through her side hustle while still in a corporate job. And finally, she goes into how a blog post was finally the driving force, the final push that she needed to leave her secure job to work on her own business full time. But first, Luckily, nowadays, all I travel with is a backpack for one reason only. It's clothing from an innovative Toronto apparel company called Unbound Merino. They have clothes made out of merino wool that you can wear for months on end without ever needing to have it washed. So this means I can travel with less clothes since the clothes, literally, if you just hang them out at night, they clean themselves because bacteria doesn't build up. It's crazy, but it's true. So check out the show notes page for an exclusive fail on discount that you won't be able to get anywhere else. And of course, if you'd like to stay up to date on all the fail on podcast interviews and key takeaways from each guest, simply go to failon.com and sign up for our newsletter at the bottom of the page. Again, that's failon.com. We're in New York right now. What are you doing here? I am here for a mastermind. So here meeting with some peers and mentors and just connecting with people. I live in Florida, but being in the city, like there's nothing like being here and taking advantage of, you know, where you are and the energy here, as well as just like so many amazing people to meet. So I'm here for like three days of nonstop pouring into my business and connecting with other people. Tampa doesn't have this energy. It's a little slower. <laughs> yeah, no, don't. We do have a very small local business community in St. Pete, which I like. Yeah. Very different though. Yeah. Are you pretty involved? Like what, like EO or anything like that? Like I'm in BNI, which is like Business Networking International, mm-hmm. and we meet every week. Like we just moved there about a year ago, but like trying to get more 
involved in my local community because I love working with like local businesses and brick and mortars. And I find that like when I market myself online, I do get a lot more online businesses. I don't know if that's just the nature of being online that online businesses are attracted to you. So like when I market myself locally or connect with people locally, I usually end up working with more brick and mortars and those types of businesses and just kind of like being immersed in the local community. So I'm trying to do even more of that since we like moved there relatively recently. Sure. But BNI for me has been like even just the practice of getting out of my house because I work from home. <laughs> yeah, no. Getting out of your pajamas. Meeting people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like getting dressed. I usually try to get dressed anyways, at least from, you know, the waist up because yeah. <laughs> that's what people are going to see. But totally. I like come back from a meeting and my husband's like, oh my God, you're like full of energy. Like what happened? I was like, well, I met with people <laughs> and I had a latte from... <laughs> So those are both amazing things that usually don't happen on a daily basis. But, you know, practicing introducing yourself, you know, before we started recording, we were talking about that, like introducing yourself in the introductions. And now that I'm here in New York, like I do that, like, I don't know, 150 times in the next three days. But as someone who works from home and kind of can be in a little silo or a vacuum... Mm. I think it is important to like practice that in a pretty low stakes environment, right? Totally. So like these people see me every week, but I get to like practice with them. Like, hey, does this click? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. If I introduce myself like this or this. So that's been huge in and of itself, you know? No, totally. And just in terms of yeah, we were talking about Clay Abier. Let's hear yeah. it. And he does the six word intro. So let's hear what you you've got hear so my, far. My yeah. intro. I'll give you one and then and then 10 more. No. <laughs> <laughs> you, you Clay will be like, no. Yeah. Well, he says, there is no perfect intro. Yeah. There are only perfect intros, yeah. right? So Each for appropriate times with yeah. who you're talking to, that kind of thing. Yes, right? which is so helpful. So I help businesses earn more so that they can give more. Awesome. So what's that mean? So tell me more. Tell me more. <laughs> what does that mean? How do you do that? Right? So these are all the questions that are going to happen. But it's good because yeah. it's intriguing. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that sounds cool. Sounds cool. Yeah. So I have a, a background in efficiency and performance improvement. And so I work with small businesses to help them get better results in way less time so that they can ripple and impact the world in even bigger ways. So I want to work with people and businesses who really want to create a social impact. So the give more is all about what are we then doing with all this money that we're earning? Because yeah. I'm happy to show you how to earn a lot more money in your business, for, regardless of what that business is. There's a, some fine-tuning that we can do and, and create massive improvements. But I also want to know that you're going to do something really amazing with care. it. Yeah, right. that you care about yeah. people and the world. Because I think as entrepreneurs right now, we have this really incredible opportunity to change the world very quickly totally. with limitless income, with these, you know, the global economy that we're in, the technology space that we're in where we could reach anyone anywhere and sell them our product or service. But then what are you going to do with it? Right. Totally. Well, also not like martyring yourself. So I think that that's important, (laughs) right? I think a lot of people are like, oh, so I just have to like give everything away. No, I think you should absolutely have your desires and needs met. And then there should still be a lot more to to give away. And I think that people think that, that they'll do that once they start earning a lot more money and you really need to start right away because it's really building that habit 
You know, like I guarantee you, if you're like, I'll wait till I'm earning a million dollars, it's going to be really hard to give away a hundred thousand dollars of your million. Start when you make $10 and just give away one. See how that goes. (laughs) Do you help businesses like actually implement like the plan of like how to give? Yes. So every business is going to be very different. And and some businesses like already have give back models. Mm. Some are, you know, fine to do that on their own and they don't ask for consulting on that piece of their business. But others are like, I don't really... Really, so what the most common thing is, is like, I don't have the profit margins to do that yet. Or yeah. I don't really see how that's going to work for me in my business model. Sure. And I'm like, okay, let's get creative, right? Like, let's brainstorm. And so typically, if I like go into a business and consult on like what I see are areas of potential improvement for their performance, then I'm, I already know like the structure and the model of their business. And I can see what's going to be an opportunity. So I usually go in and like, here's like three ideas for how you could give. And here's a, you know, I also want to make sure that it aligns what they care about. Right. Like, because there's a lot of things that I care about, but there's only a few things that I care enough about to do something about. No, totally. (laughs) Right. And I think that that's really important for everyone to know that like, you don't have to also uh, judge yourself around what you care about, because I think that's huge for people. They're like, Oh, but I don't, I don't care about the same thing or I don't care about, I'm sure they care not enough to do something about, you know, this specific thing in a third world country. Totally. I care. So I spoke with someone, one of my, one of my clients who was like, I feel bad or selfish that like, I care about adoption in the United States. And I'm like, that's amazing. There's, Nothing wrong with that, right? Like you don't have to judge yourself about what it is you care about because I think that we all, just like we all have like unique gifts in our businesses, we all have something that like for some reason or another in our life, like we care about that thing more than other things. Totally. And we need that. We need that diversity because that's how we're going to help all of these things rise. So that's part of what we do too is like understanding what do you care enough about to do something about? How is it going to be baked into your business model while also keeping you profitable? Yeah. Because long-term sustainability of the business is also very important for me because you can't just give away all your money and then right. you're not going to be in business anymore. And you can't give anymore. If <laughs> and then, business, exactly. Right? Then you can't give any more money, which yeah. is not our goal, right? So <laughs> making sure that it's sustainable inside the business and then making sure that you know how to position it for your market, right? Mm. Because a lot of people are like, but this has nothing to do with my clients or what my clients care about. Totally. I'm like, okay, well, there are certain things that we could work into that to communicate that message, right? Do you mind sharing like a real life example? Example, yeah. yeah. So like one of my clients, she really cares about rhinoceroses. Really? It's, it's a perfect example, right? <laughs> Where someone's like... It's totally random. Totally random. She's a lawyer who mm. serves creative entrepreneurs. So cool. people who are like calligraphers, wedding uh, event planners, sure. and she creates templates, you know, contract templates, things like that for them also does trademarks and all of those things. And she's like, I don't understand. Like, she's like, but I really care about rhinoceroses, like to a very deep level. And I don't understand like how I can give there in this business. And so I'm like, okay, well tell me why you care about rhinoceroses, right? Like, where does this come from? And so she knows like, all this like backstory about rhinoceroses and like their endangered species and like they're only one of three ungulates in the world so they're like related to horses which she is a horse person right so she grew up wow. with horses yeah. and so immediately gotta save the rhinoceroses <laughs> so like there was this huge connection for her from the horses to the rhinos because yeah. of their 
species connection there. I didn't even know they were connected. Yeah. So it's like a, the toes of the ungulates sure. are the similarity there. You can go look that up yeah, later. Now, now I'm interested. <laughs> <laughs> but what I told her was like this, you know, really getting into like the why of why you care about it. Because if you just like put, hey, we give back to rhinos on your website or to your clients, then yeah. I think it, it is a little bit confusing for them. And But I think if you share with them like why it's important to you and that you're giving them permission as well to care about the things that are important to them and you give them the backstory on that, there's mm. a way that can be communicated in a really powerful way, sure. right? So her story about horses and, and how like she grew up with horses and she rescues horses. And now she's like really seeing that this is an issue in foreign countries where yeah. rhinos are not being saved. And so for her, like making that connection so that she can also now has an opportunity to tell more of her story to her audience, right? Mm -hmm. Like they may have never known that she was like a horse person. They connect with her deeper because totally. now they know her. And they know like more of that backstory, right? And yeah. they see that she has this like animal lover side to her and, and that she is giving back and that she cares about these things. And, you know, I think a lot of people also think that like giving is a, is a marketing tactic. And you could say that because sure, we want to potentially use it in our marketing, but not for the reason of just making more money. Depends on the intent, right? Like if yes. you're actually coming from a true place, yes. a genuine place and you actually want to give back, not just because you want to get more sales because yes. you're doing the cool social impact thing. Yes. And so for me, and I think for a lot of my clients, they were giving already like behind the scenes and weren't modeling it externally in a business. Right. So I think that like personally, if you want to do anonymous giving, like do it. It's like one of the most rewarding things ever to just be like, giving money away and yep. no one, no one's coming to thank you. Right. Totally. It feels really good to be in that place. But as a business, I do feel that if we're already giving, then it's really important for us to model that to our clients and customers to say that this is important to me because it's also going to align them with your values, right? Yeah. Like they're going to see what's important to you and you're going to bring in more of the right people because they connect with those values. And it's an like really easy and immediate way for you to show what you care about as well as we know from statistics that people want to make purchases that impact the world, right? They're choosing. So they're making decisions anyways. Yeah. And if you're doing this giving, or if you have the intent to do so, and you want to do it in your business, like we already know that if it's between Rob and Joe and all things being equal in your services, yeah. besides that Joe is giving, we're going to choose Joe. I can give you a real life example of this yesterday, actually. Right below us, there's a 7-Eleven. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 7-Eleven. And I went to get beer because I had a, I was meeting a guy over here. He was coming to hang out. And I know that Stella, Stella Artois, they, yeah. they give clean drinking water for every beer that's that's had. And I'm, it's not my favorite beer. I like it. But uh, there's all, I, like, I like browns. So there's a brown. And Stella and I just, it's like subconscious. I know Stella's story and I know they're, yep. they're doing social impact. So I grabbed the Stella. So you're like, I'll just have the Stella because... I'm going to make the world a better place drinking one beer, beer. at a time. <laughs> one beer at a time, I'm getting back. <laughs> exactly. But we, we make those choices, right? Yeah. There's like statistical evidence of that. So why not help your, you know, potential customers, clients, audience members, like make make that decision even yeah. easier, especially if you're already giving. I think that we tend to like hide it. And that was me. I was like hiding it behind the scenes oh. for a very long time. And then my clients were the ones who were like, why aren't you? Because they saw it on my contract. Every time that my clients would sign a contract, yeah. it was on there, but it wasn't external. Got and it. they were like, why don't you share this? Like, this is so awesome. And we didn't know until we were already working with you. I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> right. 
I'm private. I'm private person. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So for the attorney and the rhinos, how would you advise her to actually implement that system? Like 10% of what she, like the profit or like, well, how do you go in and like tell her what would make sense? Yeah. So we need to know what the business is doing now in terms of revenue, profit margins, what type of income streams that are currently happening and where it makes the most sense to start, right? Because there's also like an emotional and fear aspect involved in this. And so it's also important to just like build that habit. Like one of my other clients was like, I want to be giving like 10%, but I'm not able to do that yet. And I was like, oh, so you just decided you'd give nothing? Like nothing was was better than 1%, right? right? Because we couldn't do 10, so sure. we just so do nothing. Tenor, tenor bust. And as soon as I like called her out on that, she was like, yeah, you're right, right? <laughs> That's dumb. So with her specifically, we would look through and say, like, what makes the most sense right now? And then what is our goal for the future? So if there's something different that you want to be doing and you're just not quite there yet in terms mm. of the profit margins, we can change that. So for her specifically, it is like a clean cut percent of uh, profit. So for me in my business, it's a cut of revenue, which is like very different than a lot of people. I yeah. know a jewelry company who works with the same nonprofit that I support and theirs is like a 1% of sales. So I think that there's so many different opportunities for you to be giving and like just really understanding what makes sense in your business. For another customer client of mine, they have like a a business where they support entrepreneurs with VA services, right? So they were like, I don't think I can cut my VA's, you know, pays, yeah. like payment, whatever that whatever we call paying people. <laughs> <laughs> Payments, I guess. Payments. Uh, <laughs> she's like, I don't think I can cut on that end. And I was like, well, what if you just added a dollar? So if they're, you're charging $40 an hour for your VAs, what if we just charged 41 for your VAs and made it very clear to your customers what that one extra dollar was going to? You could even have them sign up like, do you check a box? Like, do you want to add $1 for this cause? Right. So that because her thought process was, oh, my customers, like, I don't have much wiggle room in terms of increasing that price point. She knew she didn't want to, you know, take it away from her VAs. I was like, you could even do the same thing on your VA side and ask, like, do you want to donate a dollar for me? Totally. Right. So like just giving people the opportunity, sometimes they'll check that box, right? How many times have you like checked out on GoDaddy Mm. and actually like given or whatever. Right, like right, they have right, that right yeah. there. Like, yep. oh, do you want to give too? Or when you're checking out at PetSmart, do you want to give as well? And a lot of times I do just because I'm like, I feel like an a-hole if I don't, right? <laughs> right. What kind of dog do you have? Or is it a dog? <laughs> yeah, I have two dogs. One's, she's a rescue Irish terrier mix cool. and then a Bernese mountain dog. So oh, I love this. he's my baby. Those dogs are so cool. <laughs> he's in just like all that. my branding. I just you can love see them on the, the, co- website. the colors yeah. they have. Like they're just pretty dogs. He's gorgeous and he's so full of love. He's just like, for me, he was something I needed in my life at that time when Mm. I got him. Like I got him before I met my husband and I attribute a lot of me being able to love someone else like completely and fully to that dog. And so I have like such an attachment to that dog that I think people don't even understand. But I'm like, you don't understand. Like I was like incapable of loving very fully until I saw this creature do that so openly, so vulnerably. And yeah, so that relationship is strong. And I pretty much cry every time I think about him dying. So, Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> I know. I, I get it. And I, then my husband found out that they don't really have long life expectancies. And he was like, why would you do this to me? Why would you let me fall in love with him? <laughs> He's like, I was like, well, what am I going to do? He's like, amazing. no, it can't be that short. Cause it's like between six to 10 years. Oh, I didn't know it was that short. Yeah. That's shorter than I thought. <laughs> You're upset too. I know, now. now my heart's broken. <laughs> <laughs> I did the same thing to him but and he was like, already in love. I know. That's like, I know you, you went to grad school yeah. in Georgia and I think English Bulldogs are like pretty, like, pretty short is too. It same length ish. It's probably because they have yeah. like a lot of breathing issues, totally. and they've like, you know, with those bulldogs, they've like overbred them, you know, in terms yeah. of, and they've probably done the same thing with the Bernese Mountain Dogs, but right. they're just so cute, yeah, and sweet. They have like the best temperaments I've ever seen in a dog, mm. and I grew up with like golden retrievers, so they have great That's temperaments. What I have, yeah. And this dog is just like so goofy <laughs> and so loving, like. Like, I couldn't ask for anything better. Super playful, like still a lot of energy. Or? So like very energized when he gets like his like zoomies, <laughs> but for the most part, he's super chill and like relaxed, like cuddly. Cu- so he would rather be cuddled and like be petted than eat. <laughs> wow. Like he will turn yeah. down food. Like he's not food motivated. He's definitely yeah. like love motivated, which has been an interesting thing for me because all of my dogs in the past are like, food. give me the food. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Our other dog will like attack him to like get his food, yeah. but he'll just be like, okay, you can have it. Like <laughs> she'll go and like try to eat his dinner. And he's just like, all right. Like that's amazing. The sweetest. Just like sharing, thing. like have he's it. A share. Have it. He's like, okay, you're going to eat that. I'll go cuddle mom. <laughs> This sounds better anyways. That's great. Because I only have one dog and I was, I'm always like, I just want her to have somebody to play with. Like, well, how's yeah. the dynamic with... Oh, they play. Like, yeah. when he wants to, he'll he'll let you know that he wants to play. Or if we're, like, outside at the dog park or something, like, he'll go after it. But he's yeah. actually really smart because, like, the little one, she's 40 pounds, but she'll... She's fast and she's all you know, crazy terrier yeah. all over. And he'll just like, he'll watch her. He'll run really fast and then watch her. And then he'll just cut her off. Like he stops. <laughs> he's he tactical. Ch- he's he's like, very tactical. He's like, I know off? that I'm not fast or I can't do it for as long. So I'm just going to cut her off. And, and he's like a brick wall. <laughs> yeah. So she just like runs right into him. But That's amazing. He's like, he was a, a literacy and therapy dog. Mm. So I used to bring him into schools and children who were having like reading challenges. Would yeah, I've read about that. It's like really therapeutic for the kids, yeah. like to be able to read without judgment, right? Yes, it's really cool. It was so cool. We did that in Alabama. We haven't had a pro- found a program locally, but it was so cool. Like every single week, he would go in there, and it wasn't about me. I was just like the handler. Yeah, like yeah. <laughs> those kids didn't know who I was, but. <laughs> He became their best friend, right? Mm. And like we would take them out of their classrooms and then they became like the coolest kid in the class, right? Because they would, yeah. he, he would get to like go to the door and they'd be like, oh my God, church is here. Church is here for you, you know? So they'd get to come with me in church and read the books. And at that age, so it's second grade. And mm. at that age, they, they really do think that the dog is listening, yeah. uh, which was fascinating for me because I don't have children. I'm like, do they think that he's like really listening? And they do, which is so cool because he becomes like their best friend. Yeah. Yeah. And they'd be like, which book do you think church wants me to read today? And I'm like, I don't know. Why don't you ask him? And so they'd like ask him and he's just like, you know, with his paws, he like does this anyways. (laughs) I'm making a motion of like slapping the paw and he just like does that. So he'll be like, pick that book. I'm like, that's the one, right? (laughs) You put something in front of him, he'll slap it. (laughs) So, So it was just like a really touching experience and another example of like how you can give back. Right. And my Mm. business allowed me the freedom 
to take that time away yeah. and go do that. And so I don't think that there's a right or wrong in terms of baking, giving into your business model. Another way that we give back is like we give our skills to nonprofits. And who, time. Yeah, and, yeah, time. Like, okay, let's come in and, and strategically help a nonprofit grow their mm. business because that's just just the same way a business runs, except yeah. you're trying to sell something very intangible. Totally. Right? Like no one's getting a product or service, right. but they got to pay for this thing. <laughs> right? So there's so many different ways to do that. But like when I was able to go to a school and like see the impact it was making on this Ooh. kid, I'm like, this is, this is amazing. Right? Yeah. It feels so good. That's cool. So is that one of your revenue streams is like going to these businesses, they pay you to like set up this whole system and talk to them and like consult and figure it out? Not yet. Okay. So that's something like I'm exploring right now, kind of doing it for a couple clients to see like, is this something I want to offer in terms of a consulting service just for the giving side? Mm. It's something we do when I come in and like consult on the performance improvement side anyways, if, especially if a, a customer is like, this is something we want to implement. We want to think about as we look at what our focus is going to be. Yep. And it's something I teach inside of my group programs and, and just share on my platform, which is something we're working on in terms of like, how do we share this message with more people in a book eventually and, and through a more scalable way. Mm. But for now, I don't know that it's worth it for me to turn that into like higher end consulting service. Cause it does take yeah. a lot of time oh, totally. if I were to go in and like, here's the, all the selections, here's how we right. do that. So it's really just typically right now gets tacked on to like what growing I, the business, growing the business, because if we can help them grow the business, then we can show them like you can be giving back right mm. now, because I think that's a big barrier to entry for a lot of people is like, totally. mm, maybe when and I'm like, yeah. I was giving from day one because I got out of a ton of student debt. And the only way that I got out of that debt so quickly was because I was giving at the same time. And it just like really showed me that like, yeah. wow, even when I feel like I have nothing, I actually have negative right now <laughs> and I'm able to give. Totally, right. Totally. And so it kept me focused on like what was most important for me to spend mm. and what I really valued. And it really changed my entire relationship with money because yeah. at that time I was like head in the sand, like had money, but I wasn't focused on like growing my wealth or right. doing good things with my finances. I was just like, Oh, I make money at my corporate job and, yeah. and I'll pay my minimum payment on my debt and I'll still have my note in 28 years. <laughs> I thought painful. it was yeah, very painful. Yeah. I was like, I thought I'll have like kids and maybe grandkids by the time I pay this loan off. And yeah. I think that was the norm. No, totally. It is. It's like, oh. I think it still is right. Yeah, totally. Like for, for most people. Yeah. And it know, does especially, not especially in the South. Like, you know, like you said, you're in yeah. Alabama for a while. Like that's yeah. just kind of the mentality. Totally. Yeah. And that's been hard for me, actually, like being in the entrepreneurial space where everyone is talking about mindset and talking about mm. the opportunities that are available to everyone. Yeah. And most of me believes that's true, but I've seen people who would not be able to do what we do given their life circumstances sure. or what they've been dealt. And so I'm like, is that true? Right? Like, yeah, no, it's fair. I don't know. That's fair. Some of it, yes. Yeah. Like the mindset and how you think about it and what you do. Because we've, we've seen people come out of like really horrifying circumstances. But it's definitely something that they're not exposed to. Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing, right? It's yeah. not part of like we're in entrepreneurship like circles communities, and communities. And like yes. it's, it's all we hear, right? Yes. So just 
and you're surrounded by these people and that like changes who you are. Yes. Just, it really does. Proximity is everything. Yes. So for the people that are in the situations that they've always been in, like, you know, with the, whatever their parents tell them the ultimate truth, whatever their grandparents told them was the ultimate truth. And that mm-hmm. never changes because they don't one maybe they haven't left their town where they grew up right. and they're around the same people. Yep. So I think exposure is like the biggest part of it. And that was like, my husband grew up in small town in Tennessee. Like mm. his, his family still lives in like the same town that his grandfather was born in. Yeah. Um, and he was like the first one to leave, go to college, go to grad school and then got a corporate job, you know, got on his plane, a plane for the first time <laughs> ever when he went to his corporate job interview. Oh, that's and that's great. like how we met was through that corporate job. And now like he's just grown and expanded Mm. so much in terms of his like awareness around his mindset because of like number one him going into a corporation that was like step number one because that moving and progression right totally and then like me being like oh i think i can do this i'm gonna start my own business and he's like oh my god what are you doing (laughs) are you insane you're a a crazy person and then like all the risks that i've taken along the way all the you know ups and downs and and just seeing what's possible and also like him being exposed to those circles too and like me like trying to like drop hints like you should go listen to that right (laughs) (laughs) but it's been uh, like i have seen it like firsthand Mm. and so that was like yeah, it's just the exposure totally. of, and the awareness of that that can change everything. Absolutely. And I think it's always an interesting transition going from like a corporate job to, to starting your own thing. So I want to dig into that a yeah. little bit. So what did you like quit your job cold turkey and then start this thing or were you st- building it on the side slowly? What was that transition? Yeah. So about, it was about two and a half years ago, I was doing this on the side of my corporate job. I started in January of 2015 on the side of, of the corporate gig. And I worked w- in both roles, right? So corporate job and in growing this business for about six months. And then I left that corporate job. So been in this business full-time for about two years at this point, just about a month ago was my like two year anniversary. And it was like the same day I went to entrepreneur magazine and had like a interview. Oh, I saw that. That was awesome. It was like a cool milestone moment to be like, Oh, that's a really cool full circle of like literally two day, two years ago to the day I was leaving that corporate job. So things Mm. can happen quickly if you allow them. Right. And if you, if you do the work. So I started on the side, really just doing things for free, seeing like, in practice, not just in theory, I thought it would be amazing to work for myself and like, you know, make money and not have to go into my (laughs) job where I I didn't want to be. But I understood, I had the awareness, I guess, that like that might not be the case once I actually do it. So I didn't want to like put myself out there and jump ship until I had tried the actual work as well as I didn't know how to price myself or like what people would pay or what kind Mm. of results I could get for an individual entrepreneur because I was doing the same work inside my corporation, right? So it's internal now moving to a company where like, okay, I'm going to be consulting for you and helping you, but are you going to be able to get the same results that I get internally? I don't know, right? And so it was really hard for me to have the confidence to go out and just do that. So I was also trying to pay off all my student debt in that time. I wanted to be able to leave that corporate job. I think a lot of people stay stuck in in jobs because 
of finances, right? Totally, like yeah. they want you to have debt. They actually even told us that. <laughs> no like, way. Huh? Yes. Like one of wow. our VPs at like some, you know, networking thing was like, we love employees who have debt because you stay with us longer, <laughs> right? <laughs> so terrible. <laughs> Horrible. So I paid off $48,000 of student debt in those six months. So I got rid of all my student debt in six months and the universe, I would have stayed longer at that corporate job because I wanted more of a safety net. Yeah. And because I just had this like mindset that they needed me and mm. like, oh, but I was leading all these projects. What are they going to do? Right. right. When in actuality, like they'd figure it out. Of but I was yeah. just like stroking my own ego maybe. <laughs> and just the fear of like leaving, I'm sure was, was oh, yeah. why I was like, I'll stay longer. And then one of my VPs called me one day and he, he called me and he said, he's just like, talking at first and then he was like so i i uh someone sent me a blog post that you wrote and i was like oh all right let me shut my door (laughs) (laughs) nice and so went and shut my door and we had a long conversation someone had like because i was not being private with this business it Mm. was not i didn't have like a non-compete or anything like that so everything that i was doing was was legal yeah but he just wanted to know like what was my intention right because i was being visible and i think that if you're in a job it's very hard to grow a business if you're not being visible totally and so i knew that like i wanted this business more than i wanted to keep this job. And so I was like, if I am not visible, it's never going to work. So I was being visible and someone thought that they should send him that blog post or whatever. And so we had that conversation. And the next day he was kind of like, you know, so what is your intention? How long are you going to stay? Like, is this your, is this your notice? Is this your two week notice? And I was like, well, I wrote the blog post three months ago. It's a blog post, dude. Yeah. And I wrote it three months ago. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. like, clearly no one has noticed a, a performance <laughs> right. change. Yeah, exactly. So I don't understand the problem. Right. But I, I did understand that energy was no longer something that I was okay with. And mm. I felt like, all right, this is like the universe saying it's time. Yeah. It's time. You wouldn't have done this on your own fast enough. So I just wanted to like push you. Totally. And so I thought that they were like, I thought that the situation was so uncomfortable that they were going to like walk me out the next day. Like, mm. okay, you can just go. And then when I went in the next day, I told them, you know, I am going to leave, but I'm happy to stay as long as you need me to like train a new person or whatever. And they were like, can you stay for two more months? And I was like, no. Sounds terrible. It was like two months. It was like, I thought maybe like a month, like yeah. maybe a couple. So I ended up staying for about six weeks. And then right before July 4th weekend, that was like my final clean final break. day. Yeah. Clean break. Did, and you then, have, did you have like financial resources built up? Were you married at this time as well? Not married okay. at that time. So all on my own in terms of finances, we didn't put our finances together uh, at that time. We were, we were dating at that time. Mm. So I had paid off all the debt. So my expenses were, I was trying to get my expenses on a monthly basis as low as possible. And the yep. business was built up to a point where I was already making more than I was in my corporate job. Okay, cool. So there's that inflection point. Of- there was the inflection point of like, okay, this is possible. Yeah. And I knew that my goal was never to replace the corporate job. And sometimes this is like a big aha for people because they're like, oh, I just need to replace my corporate income. I just need yep. to replace this income. And I'm like, I never really needed to replace the income. I just needed to know what are my expenses and I need to make that. And yeah. typically that's a lot lower totally. than what you're making at the corporate job. So yeah. at that time I was living in like, you know, rural Alabama. Like I had no debt at that point. I didn't have a car because my company, I had a company vehicle Ooh. and I didn't buy a car right afterwards. So I had like pretty low uh, expenses. And so I was like, 
around $1,400 was what I needed per month. And I just had the confidence that I could do that in the business. Like I was already making about $8,000 a month in this, you know, current side yeah. business. But even if I was like, all right, I could just have one client a month and make, and I could do this. Mm. And I just needed like that confidence that I didn't need all the clients. I didn't even need to equal what I was currently sure. doing, but I knew that I was going to have way more time. And so, you know, Theoretically, I should actually be making more, right. but I felt that safety net even even there. So I yeah. didn't have a ton of money in the bank by yep. any means. And I actually had just invested like my largest sum of money in a mentor, but I just knew my expenses. And I always said like, even if I just had the knowing that like, even if I couldn't get the one client that I needed, I could go work at Starbucks. Like that's yeah. not beneath me by it's any like, means. What's the worst case scenario? You that's can, it. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. I'll get a job. Yeah, it's, I'll work part time. Yeah, because you're you're 100 right. Is people want to just replace their income, like of what their job is, right. and that's it's so true. Like you you don't have to maintain that income, right? No. If you could drop your expenses a little bit, sacrifice yeah. a little bit to do your own in the thing, short term, in the yes. short term, right? Yes. In the long term, it's going to be a huge blessing. Yes. But in the short term, just like you know, dealing with your ego, putting it aside, yeah. and just saying it's okay to like quit your job, drop your expenses, live more frugally for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And give yourself some runway. Totally. And I was already like in that space because I was like trying to pay off the debt so fast. And I was like, you know, I I didn't feel like it was sacrificial at any time because I really just was more conscious of where I was spending my money and making Mm. sure that like I was making conscious choices instead of just like spending unconsciously, which I think we do a lot. Yeah, totally. But I was like, okay, if if I buy this, am I willing to like be in debt for a week longer? Maybe. Sometimes, right? Yeah. So I think that that's a a big one for people is like really just understanding like what are the expenses? What are you willing to do to get them a little bit lower to free up that time so that you can pour it back into the business or whatever it is that you really want to be focused on? What's been the toughest part of the journey? Toughest part of the journey would be... Like any big roadblocks, failures, struggles that like... Toughest part, roadblocks. I think often feeling like you are alone, like this depends on me at this point. Right. So there's a lot of pressure there for sure. And, and I never saw myself as an entrepreneur. I never thought I was going to be an entrepreneur. I wasn't the kid making bracelets and selling them to my friends (laughs) ever. No, I thought I was going to be a corporate girl and I I thought I was going to be a VP and have a great life, but in that capacity. And I was always just focused on like being the best at whatever I did. And so the same thing is true in my business, but I think that that can get sometimes out of control because there is no like there's no end yeah whereas like even in corporate it's like there's a little bit of an end totally no it's true <laughs> so coming out of like what it, what are the hardest things is finding those people to support me even my husband like there's days where i'm like why do people pay me to do this? Like, what am I doing? Right? Like, how did I even get here? Totally. And I'm a huge fraud, right? Like I'm a fraud. And why do people listen to me on the interwebs? hundred percent. Yeah. No, I (laughs) I, I get it. Okay. Have a moment. (laughs) Right. right, Let's fix her. (laughs) Let's just like take a deep breath because let's look at all the amazing things that you've done for people. But I think that there's a lot of pressure in that too. And especially when you're leading a community, there's also, I put, I place a lot of like pressure and expectation on myself of like, I want to get everyone amazing results and to have to maybe come to the, to the understanding that not everyone is 
like that I can't control them, that I can't yeah. like micromanage everyone is hard. Totally. It's really hard. Like you, you could go work in everybody's business and yeah. turn it around for them, but no, it's up to them, right? Like yeah. you can't do all that. And that is, is hard and it's emotional yeah. and there's a lot of energy and brain power involved in that. Right. So totally. I've even like lately, there's a lot of peers and friends that I know that are like closing these large Facebook groups. And this is something that, people are really upset about and you know, why would they do this? And I'm like, it's a lot of energy to be maintaining a large group of people or to be pouring into a large group of people. And sometimes you're like literally thinking about all the people in there or like (laughs) you feel like you have 70,000, you know, monkeys on your back potentially. And Mm -hmm. as they try to grow their own businesses or whatever it is that you're teaching or pouring into them. And so I think that it's just like, you can't ever turn off. And so that's, hard yeah. <laughs> and emotional. <laughs> it's no, it, it resonates because I remember like, cause I came from a corporate job too. And it's just so different because when the weekend comes or when you actually take your vacation, like you took it totally unplugged. Yeah. I was that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I did take it, but no, but I mean like you actually take it. Yeah. Right? yeah like you yeah, actually yeah. No, totally. You take it and you, yeah, you're not worried about work the whole time, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit, but yeah. um, you can actually make that separation. Yeah. Whereas in like I travel a lot now and I go on vacation, but it's never, it's yeah. never checked out. Not really. No. It's too connected with it, you know? I know. And it's like, even if you're, you know, even if you're not checking emails or like doing the work. Your brain's still going. Your brain's like, oh, I'm laying on this beach and I have 43 new ideas and I just bought seven (laughs) domain names. (laughs) Right? No, totally. My husband's like, can you stop? I'm like, I wish I could. Right? Like, I wish I could sometimes like just relax. Yeah. But I don't even know sometimes what that means. Like, what is relaxing? What? Who does that? as an totally. entrepreneur, like yeah. in, the, in the fullest state. Right. I'm sure people are going to email me after this and be like, I have a program where you can meditate. <laughs> <laughs> I've got exactly what you need. <laughs> like I meditate y'all, Be's but <laughs> right after I got to write down all 72 ideas that came to me during that meditation. Uh, I don't know about you, but I think also, you know, not even just like the ideas that come to me, but as I employ other people, I'm thinking about them. I'm thinking about their families. I can no longer take risks just for myself in my business. Changes, yeah. Changes dramatically. Like, you know, oh, I want to like do this thing that is a huge risk. It's not just the employee. It's the employee. Their spouse. Their three kids. Their grandparents, maybe. Like, it's it's a huge ripple effect. Totally. And so I, I know their families, and I know their kids, and I know their lifestyle and what their goals are for their person. We're moving here. We want to do this. We have this goal, and I'm like, yeah, we're gonna do it. (laughs) (laughs) It's a weight, though. It's 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 pressure, and it's just yeah, it's just very different, right? Because I never felt that in corporate like responsibility of other people and their livelihood and their family's livelihood, and I feel an amend like a tremendous amount of personal responsibility to perform and to allow the business to continue to grow, Mm. so that I can support them as well as so that I can support other employees eventually. You know, like that is the goal: is that I love being able to pay people amazing for the work that they do. And I love that ripple effect, but it also brings a tremendous amount totally. of stress and responsibility. So what are you, what are you most excited about with what you've got going on now? 
Yeah. So right now I am, I'm really excited about bringing forward the message of, of giving back. So like I said, it's always kind of been behind the scenes and I've been feeling maybe like a little bit misaligned with my, I had a, you know, Facebook community. I had a podcast and all of them had like the original kind of brand name and it was called the school of self mastery. And, mm. and I do talk a lot about self mastery as a whole, because I think that we have to be whole and complete people if we're going to perform the best in our business. But now I'm like switching that outward facing message more to like profiting for good. So like, how do we profit for good and do more good so that we can earn more and give more. And so I feel like that just feels really aligned with what I need to be talking about and helping people understand, like, you got to get past like the money mindset stuff of wanting to earn a lot of money because you got to get there first. Then how do we actually do it? That's where my strategic support comes in. And then the next piece of like giving back and what does that look like for you? So really bringing that forward facing to my community and my content Mm. in a show, hopefully in a book, if anyone wants to pick this up or I'll just write it myself and self publish. Well, I'm going to write it myself anyways, but (laughs) so those are all like projects that we're moving forward with. And I felt a little stuck and stagnated for a while because of the fear around do people care? Right. So I think I assumed and had the belief that people in my audience and people in the marketing and business B2B space were only interested in like my strategic brain of like, Adrian, just show me how to make more money. Got it. And that's it. And I think the fear of like, if I put this out there of like, I want to show you how to earn more money so that you can give more money. Are people going to care? Like, do they care enough? And I think that my fear was that they didn't. And so far, like after like making that switch, everyone's like, yes. Of course. So I needed, I I love in this space where I'm like making that shift. I I love having that validation because I was so in fear of the reverse. So that's something I'm super excited about because I see the potential for the ripple effect already. Not just, even if someone never works with me, right? Like that movement, I think is for everyone. Even if they just, yeah, the the awareness, right? Now that they know they can do that. Yes. It's it's an important message. Yeah. That's for everyone. Just think about all the entrepreneurs. Like if every single one of us did that, yeah. like it's a huge change, yeah. right? It would be insane. Yeah. Like very fast. I really believe that we have the opportunity to change the world very quickly yeah. in so many ways, right? Like directly through our work because we are leading the new economy, right? Yeah. And if we're willing to be good people with good money who mm. do really good things, like we can change a lot. No, I love it. And I think it's important that you said like, and it doesn't like stop judging yourself about like what you care about because like for whatever it is, like people, it's going to help a lot of people, yeah. whatever it is, like yeah. even adoption in America, like that's a, yeah, that's amazing. don't we need judge that. yourself on that. That's like a huge issue. Exactly. Like so, there's, there's a need for the thing you care about. So, yeah. and we can't all care about the thing, same thing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, something would like take off, but yeah. yeah, no, but it's a great point. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. And thanks for joining and check you next time. Thanks. All right. So you can find Adrian at Adrian Dorison on Twitter. That's at Adrian Dorison. And of course, for that spelling, along with all the links and resources Adrian and I discussed, including more information on her business and coaching programs, it can all be found at the page we created, especially for this episode. That'll be at failon.com slash zero three nine. And next week, we have a good one. We're sitting down with my good buddy, Jordan Exani. Jordan is a globally renowned personality focused on digital authenticity and well-being and was once the focus of one of the most viral human interest stories in the history of the internet. 
once he starts telling the story, you're going to be like, oh, wow, that was him. It's, uh, it's an epic story. Jordan is now a keynote speaker and storytelling coach that helps people feel safe being themselves. And in this episode, Jordan will talk about the challenges he suffered growing up with bullying, which actually led to the development of his current work. And as I mentioned, he'll go into the wild story about what actually turned into one of the craziest human interest stories of all time on the internet. And he'll also discuss some of the darkest times of his journey and the steps he's actually been able to take to claw his way out of it. Don't miss it. It's coming up next. And if the podcast is providing value to your life and your business, please email me at robatfailon.com and let me know what your biggest takeaway from this episode with Adrian was. And I'm sure she'd like to hear it as well. And as I continue to build Failon with the simple goal of helping you learn faster through other people's business and life failures, I'd be really grateful for a couple of things that are so small but matter so much to me. Subscribing to the podcast takes a single click. It helps the show get found by more people. And when people can find the show, it means it can help more people, which in return means you are helping people by simply subscribing. To subscribe and rate and review the podcast, super easy. Just go to failon.com slash iTunes or failon.com slash Stitcher. That's all for this episode of the Fail On Podcast. For more resources, show notes, and action items to help you find success in your failures, sign up for our mailing list at failon.com. For more actionable inspiration, we'll catch you next time right here on the Fail On Podcast.